0: Luke 24, 36-49. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieving for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high.
1: Hey, everybody, good morning and welcome to Christ Community Chapel. So, so glad that you are here. Welcome. Those of you on our East service here in the West service, those of you who are tuning in, uh, welcome. Uh, I spent last week uh, visiting with some pastor friends of mine out of town, and uh, my wife and I flew back uh, into Cleveland on Thursday night. We arrived maybe at 7 o'clock at night. and We were walking down the terminal, ready to go home, and we uh, just ran into two members of Christ Community Chapel. And there in the terminal of uh, Cleveland Hopkins Airport, there's this, like, this explosion of joy. You know, I've been reading um, about how we experience joy. And we experience joy when we see delight in the face of another that we have caused. You know, that's kind of what the benediction is about when it says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. That's saying, may the Lord's face light up with delight when he sees you. Anyway, that's kind of what happened in the airport, and uh, we were glad to see each other, and then they started talking about the church, and they were were so excited about all that's going on, and then they said they were on their way to Hawaii, but they were still going to Zoom with their circle group because they didn't want to miss that, and then the woman, they've been coming for like 15 years, and the woman said this. She said, I still get chills every time I walk into church to worship. I still get chills. And I walked away, and I was so encouraged. And you know, I, I tell you that because uh, what, you know, I, I've been a part of this church since 1990. Right? And I can speak for all of our staff. That, that's what we want for each and every one of you. We want you to be in just growing in your love for Jesus to such an extent that every time you begin to walk into this building, you get chills because you know that you're going to encounter Jesus again. So that's our prayer. But it was—I went home and I was just uh, riding on cloud nine. So thanks to Tony and Dottie Larnitis who made our day. All right, we are in this uh, series where we're looking at the final ten scenes of Jesus' life according to the Gospel of Luke. Right, and we're almost done with the series. It's been a great series. I have loved this series. I feel like I have learned a lot. Hopefully, you have as well. But we're coming to the end, and we're actually still on the resurrection. We started this in, on Easter. At Easter, the story was really just a message. These, the women had gone to the tomb, and instead of finding Jesus, they find an empty tomb, and there are two angels there, and the angels say to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And they go running back to the disciples with that message, but the disciples are confused and they don't really believe the women. Then last week, Pastor Zach took us through the story where Jesus appears to two men on their way to a town called Emmaus. And Jesus opens up the scriptures to them and he shows them how the whole Old Testament is all about Jesus, Right? And they are just amazed, and their hearts burn within them. And then they, they go to the disciples, and they tell them, we've seen Jesus. It's not just a message this time. We have seen him. And now we are finally to the story where Jesus appears to the disciples themselves, and he appears in person. Next week, we will talk about the ascension of Jesus, which we don't spend nearly enough time talking about. But next week is also baptism. Baptism. Right, and we've had this up these entire 10 weeks because uh, we are going to baptize 53 people next week. Right, isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> they will range in age from 12 to 70. Isn't that cool? And uh, one of the things that I love about this is that 10 weeks ago when we started this series, we called it Come and See because we really feel like if we can get anyone close enough to see Jesus, that you will fall in love with him. And next week, 53 people are going to say, we've gotten close enough where we have fallen in love with Jesus and we want to show our love for him because of what he's done for us. And we're going to be obedient in baptism. So we're going to watch 53 lives be changed forever next week. Do not miss next week. It will be a blast. Right, But you just had the scripture read to us about this scene where Jesus appears to the disciples. And it is, there's a lot of strange things in this passage. I hope you caught it. Let me give you my three points. So if you're a note taker, these are the three points. If you just want to keep these in your head so you know where I'm going. All right, I want to look at what the resurrected Jesus is like, what the resurrected you will be like, And why it matters, why it matters today. What the resurrected Jesus is like, what the resurrected you will be like, and why it matters today. All right, first, what the resurrected Jesus is like. All right, this passage uh, just oozes weirdness to me. Uh, And it starts with the disciples in the upper room. And the upper room is like an attic of a house. We know from the Gospel of John that the door is locked because they're scared to death. And they have good reason to be scared. I mean, they had been part of a movement that had gained great popularity around the country properly. Everyone knew about the movement. And then their leader, Jesus, had been arrested the week before. He had been charged with sedition against the Roman Empire and had been summarily executed in a horrible, horrible way. And they had to know that if the Roman Empire thought, you know what, we're not sure if this movement is completely stamped out that they would be next on the hit list. So they are in the upper room, they're scared to death, they have the door locked, and then Jesus appears. It's very carefully worded that he doesn't knock on the door, he doesn't come in, he just is suddenly there. It's like he appears out of thin air. Now, I told you an Easter that whenever you read the story of Jesus, particularly his death and resurrection, because it's so important, Especially if you are uh, here and you're not yet a Christian and you are a little bit skeptical. First, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, But you ought to be looking at it like this, that Luke is, there are only two choices. Either Luke is telling the truth or Luke is making up this story. And so I always encourage people to be asking the question, is this the way you'd make up the story if you had the freedom to make it up any way you wanted? Right? Because the way you answer that question is so important. Because if what Luke says is true, it means every single part of your life needs to change. Because Jesus died for you and resurrected in power. If it's not true, then you're wasting your time even listening to this or even being here. And nothing needs to change. Right? But when I look at the story and Jesus suddenly appears to his disciples out of thin air, I'm kind of going, okay, I can see that. If I were writing the story and I got to write it any way I wanted, I could see, I would have some special effects. I mean, I would have him like maybe a flash of light. Uh, I would have him glowing, you know, something, right? You probably would too. But he just appears and he seems pretty normal. No light coming out of his fingertips. No light coming out of his hair. And then... uh, And, you know, if if I were writing the story right then, though, I would have him do some kind of display of power to prove that he was really the son of God. And in this story, instead of doing that, Jesus asked for something to eat. He asked for something to eat. It's like he goes, "Uh, hey. Like, they turn around. They look at Jesus. They're like, whoa, whoa. And he goes, hey, yeah. I'm starving. You guys got anything to eat? You got some leftover pizza, anything? And that is so, so strange, right, that Jesus would do that. You You wouldn't make that up in a million years. Not in a million years. That would not be the way that you would write this story. But Jesus is teaching. I'm calling this sermon just the teaching because Jesus is constantly teaching. And what he's teaching the disciples is this he's telling him this is what life after death is like. This is what life post-death is like. Jesus is different, right? This isn't like Jesus got healed. It's not like Jesus was resuscitated. It's not like somebody went to Jesus when he was in the tomb with those paddles and went clear, <push> oh, thank God you're back, right? That's not Jesus. Jesus has resurrected and his resurrection experience, his reality, has completely changed, and he's teaching them about that. All right, there are at least three things that Jesus is teaching here about himself in his resurrected body, it's his life after death. One is that he's spiritual. Two is that he's physical, and three is that he's still him. He's spiritual, he's physical, and he's still him first. He's spiritual. All right. So the disciples are in the upper room. The doors are locked. We know that from the Gospel of John. Jesus suddenly appears, right? He doesn't walk through the door. He doesn't. That means that he, has, he is defying physical limitations, right? which is honestly, it's kind of what we would expect. I mean, even Hollywood kind of understands that uh, if you believe anything about life after death, you believe that you have a soul and that you have a body. And when your body dies, the body is buried. But the soul, that lives on. But it's kind of like a, like a vapor, like a, a spirit, right? And, and that you're not bound by any physical limitations. And we usually call that a ghost. And that's what the disciples thought. They thought he was a ghost, which they had thought that before, by the way. And uh, the Gospels, at one point, they're in a storm, and they are in a boat alone going across the Sea of Galilee, and then they see Jesus walking on the water, and they scream out because they think he's a ghost, and he climbs in the boat and says, surprise, I'm not, right? This time, he, uh, he appears, and he has no physical limitations anymore, Right? But they think he's a ghost. But he says this, verses 38 and 39. And he said to them, "Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet; that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have." So he he appears to them, and they you know turn around. They're shocked. They're uh, probably you know shaking. And they think he's a ghost, so they're backing away. And Jesus wants to show them that he's not a ghost. And uh, like if, and this is where it starts to get strange. If I um, <laughs> if I suddenly appeared at your house, and you thought I was a ghost, I I would try to prove that I wasn't. Right? I would go, no, no, no. I'm ok. It's not, it's just me. Here, look, touch me. I can see that. But it says in the passage that he showed them his hands and his feet. And I just want you to picture what that was like. Jesus goes, no, guys, 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 get a grip. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Why that? Why his hands and his feet? Well, you know why. Because when he was crucified, that's where the nails went. In his hands and his feet. He's showing them scars. And scars always tell a story, always. Every scar you have tells a story. I have a scar right here in my forearm. I know exactly where I was when I got it. I know how I got it, right? Jesus, the first thing he does is he says, guys, look, look, why, right? He got those scars because his scars tell a story and those, that story is about his love for them, his love for you, Listen, the disciples are scared to death, right? They're scared not just because Jesus appeared among them. They're scared because they think something terrible is going to happen to them. What do you need when you are scared to death? You need someone to say, I love you. I love you. Right? We started taking communion every week right in the middle of the pandemic. Do you know why? Because the, the communion cup is a way to be reminded that Jesus is saying to you all the time, I love you. So if you are afraid in the midst, this is why we did it in the midst of a pandemic, because we want you to be reminded that Jesus loves you. So Jesus first does that. Oh, one of those disciples would write later on, perfect love casts out fear. That when you realize you are perfectly loved, you will no longer be afraid. He might've been thinking about that moment. So Jesus says, touch me and see, but no one touches him. So the next thing he does is he says, do you have anything to eat? And this is when it gets really bizarre. Because what Jesus does, all right, so he wants to prove to them that he's real. He says, show, you know, look at my hands and my feet. They won't touch him. So he goes, do you have anything to eat? And they say, yeah, we have some fish. He goes, give it to me. And then Jesus eats. I chose a donut. (laughs) And they just watch him eat. We don't know how long they watched him. We don't know how long, how much fish he ate. I actually don't know how hungry he was, right? But they, they watched him. They watched him much more closely than you watched me. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is exploding their idea of what life after death is like. Because Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm spiritual. Physical limitations no longer are boundaries for me but I'm also physical. You can touch me. I eat. I drink. You know, Jesus in the upper room, when he institutes communion at the Last Supper, he holds up a glass of wine. And he says, I will not drink wine again until I come into the kingdom of God. He doesn't say, I'm never going to have to drink again. I'm never going to have to eat again. I'll have a spiritual body. That's not what he says. He says, there's going to be eating. There's going to be drinking. There's going to be feasting. And I'm going to be eating, drinking, and feasting. Final thing is that Jesus says, it's still me. Uh, Again, verses 38 and 39. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Right? He's saying, I'm different. Absolutely, I'm different. I have this blending of spiritual and physical that is beyond anything you have ever seen but it's still me, it's still me. Now I tell you all of that because this is really important. Jesus says that if we believe in him, that we will one day be resurrected, that we will be like him. He calls himself the first fruits. This is the most complete teaching in the entire Bible about what life after death is really gonna be like. This is it. You know, a lot of people will ask the question, What is heaven going to be like? A better question is this. What are you going to be like? What am I going to be like? All right. So let's talk about that. Jesus says that when, because he resurrected, that one day you will resurrect if you believe in him. And that you, he is the first fruits, which means that this is what you'll be like. First, you'll be spiritual. You will no longer be bound by physical limitations. Right, that, let me ask you this. If I were to tell you, like right now, for the next hour, you will not be bound by any physical limitations, what would you do? I mean, some of you would go, well, it would take you a while, because you'd kind of go, I don't know. And then you'd go back, and you'd probably try to get into the atrium without using a door. Right? You'd just try to walk through a wall. Right? And, and surprisingly, you could. Now, I remember when I was a kid, right, when I I was watching Superman, I was enthralled with Superman. I so wanted to be Superman. I wanted to be faster than a speeding bullet. I wanted to be, you know, to, to, you know, I don't know, stop locomotives, fly, everything. The longing to to, to be able to go beyond physical boundaries has been one that every human being has. And it has not dissipated at all in the last 50 years. There are more superhero movies now than ever. And this is the thing that Jesus is trying to tell you is this. Your resurrected life, you will no longer be bound by physical limitations. Those superhero powers you have longed to have will be yours. Wild. But then he says this, you will also be physical. You will also be physical which means that you will not be a wispy spirit. You will not be a ghost. There will be eating and drinking and dancing. There's a reason why Jesus, when he started his ministry, started by turning water into wine at a wedding. There's a reason why Jesus promises us that one day, one day we will be celebrating with him in heaven at a great reception called the wedding feast of the lamb, where we'll eat and drink and dance and laugh. But the third thing is you will still be you. You will be recognizable. And for some of us, that's a terrible disappointment. right? Those are going, why can't I look like Brad Pitt or George Clooney when I'm in heaven? All right, let me try to explain it like this. You know how uh, you can meet like a little girl or know a little girl when she's four or five or six. And then you move away or something and you don't see her for like 20 years. And then somebody comes up to you and they say... Uh, like a young woman comes up to you and they say, hey, do you remember me? And you're looking at her just going, ah, uh, uh, kind of. Uh, you look familiar. And then she says who she is. And you go, oh, of course, of course. I remember you when you were five. I thought you would be a beauty, but here you are. Look at you now, right? That's a, that's an unfolding, like a, You know how there are flowers that are coming up right now because it's spring and they're unfolding? Uh, An adult is just a child unfolded. That's what's going to happen. I think when when you get to heaven, when you are resurrected, people will look at you and they'll go, wait, I know who you are. I saw glimpses of your, your mercy, your goodness, your kindness, your beauty, but look at you now. I always knew you would be like this, right? You will be breathtaking because you will be the real you, the complete you, the grown-up you, All right. So that's what the resurrected Jesus is like. That's what the resurrected you will be like. Now the question is, what's it matter? How should it impact us now, All right? First it uh, means that you no longer have to be afraid. That's the first thing. I mean, when you read about the disciples, something happens to them right here. Because in the book of Acts, if you read the book of Acts, they become absolutely fearless, absolutely fearless. And I think there are two reasons. One is that Jesus, one of the reasons is that most of the time we're afraid. We're afraid because of the unknown. We get sick. We don't know if we're going to get better. We lose our job. We don't know if we're going to find another job. Their fear is always connected to the unknown. That's one thing. The other thing is that Jesus tried to quell their fears by saying, listen, there isn't a moment from now on that you are not deeply and completely loved by me. I have proven that for you. You walk and live in the midst of my love. Don't ever forget that. So that's one thing. But then he says, listen, I also want you to know this, that this is what's waiting for you. That when the very worst thing that most people think will happen to them in this life, which is when they die, this is what's waiting for you, and it will be wonderful. And the disciples walked out of that room and became absolutely fearless. If that's true, if the resurrected Jesus has promised me that he will love me every single moment of every single day that I'm on this earth, and that after this, that that's what awaits me, what is there to be afraid of? That's the first thing. You don't have to be afraid. The second thing is you don't have to have it all. You don't have to have it all. You know, uh, there's a movie out. It's been out for a while. Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. It's a movie called The Bucket List. And it's these two guys, and they're both dying of uh, cancer. And they make a list that they want to accomplish, that they want to, you know, do before they actually die. And they're trying to cross things off their list. And they call it uh, The Bucket List, right? And so I have this little bucket, right? Um, Johnny Erickson Tata is uh, a woman who, when she was 16, she had a diving accident, became a quadriplegic. And now uh, 40 years later, she is uh, st- still a quadriplegic. She has longed her whole life to walk, but not just to walk. She has longed to dance. It's on her bucket list. But John Erickson Tata believes that one day she will experience resurrected life. And she will not just be spiritual, she will be physical. And she says, I will dance. I will dance in the kingdom of God. This is true. There is not a single thing that you will miss out on in this life that is not waiting for you completely, absolutely full in the life that is to come. So the next time, and I don't mind a bucket list, but the next time you are thinking of things that you long to have happen here in this earth, and they could be really good things, and you think, man, I hope, I just, I just feel like I've missed out because I haven't had that. Remember, there's another bucket waiting for you, right? And anything that can fit in this bucket, in this life, will be swallowed up completely. In the life that is to come, you do not have to have it all. That's the second thing. The third thing is connected to that, and that's that you don't have to hold back. You don't have to hold back in the way that you live. You don't have to pace yourself in the way that you love people. You can actually give generously, and we are calling you all the time to give yourself generously. You can serve selflessly. And we are calling you to serve because that's what Jesus has done. And you can love sacrificially. Listen, Jesus poured himself out for you. You will want to end this life with some scars of love so that when you get to heaven, you can look at Jesus and say, uh, Jesus says, look at my hands, look at my feet. This is how much I loved you. And you will have some scars to show him and say, Jesus, do you see this? You see this, I got this because I was loving someone just because you wanted me to. Do you see this, I got this because I was trying to serve you the very best way I could. Because you can pour yourself out. Jesus appears to the disciples, right? And it's, a, it's the weirdest passage in some ways. But he appears to his disciples and he's trying to teach them. He's saying, this is what the resurrected me is like. That means this is what the resurrected you will be like. You will be spiritual, you'll be physical, but you'll still be you. And what that means is you can live your life without fear. You don't have to have it all right now because it's waiting for you. And so that you can can live a life of generosity and serving and love in such a way that all the world will ask you, how are you like you? And you can say, I'm only the way I am because of Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I come to you and I'm so, so grateful. I love uh, every verse in the Bible, but I love this particular story. And I have learned to love it more in the last week and a half. I love that uh, Jesus is trying to teach us uh, what it means, uh, what, it, what life after this life will be like. That we will be, uh, have this blend of spiritual and physical that we do not know right now. And that we will be like you. Thank you. Thanks for caring for us. Thanks for living in our place and dying in our place and resurrecting with power and being the first fruits of what it means to have life in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.